Drive time, keeping you informed and inspired. We love God. We ought to be able to talk about him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information. From the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic drive time. And welcome to Catholic Drive Time. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca. Today is Thursday, April 20th, 2023. It is the Feast of St. Conrad of Parsam. Joseph Conrad was a Polish-British writer who lived from 1857 to 1924. He is widely regarded as one of the greatest novelists in the English language. Conrad was born in Poland and later moved to England, where he began writing in his late 20s. His works often explore themes of imperialism, colonialism, and the human condition. Conrad's most famous works include Heart of Darkness, Lord Jim, and Nostromo. Conrad's writing style is characterized by its psychological depth, philosophical complexity, and vivid imagery. He was a master of the English language, and despite it being his second language, and his writing continues to inspire and challenge readers today. His life was also without challenges. He faced poverty, illness, and personal tragedies throughout his life, but he continued to write prolifically until his death. His legacy has endured, and he is remembered as a brilliant writer and a pioneer of modern literature. Conrad's works have been adapted in numerous films, and it can be seen in many of the works of contemporary writers. Conrad of Parsam, pray, pray for, for us. us. And a good morning to you. Today is, we're still in the Easter season, praise be to God. I hope your Easter season is going very, very well. It's a very busy Easter season, don't you think? But I am very excited because there are just so many opportunities during the Easter season to dedicate to the Lord. And I'm just excited to be able to uh, do that every single day to try to think about and meditate upon the resurrection. So that's a suggestion for you. Every day, think about an aspect of the resurrection. Think about something. Think about the, the women coming to the tomb or think about our Lord appearing to Peter or maybe our Lord appearing in the upper room. Uh, all these different things leading up to the ascension, all these things, very good things to meditate upon, especially during the Easter season. Uh, good morning to you, Tito Edwards. Good morning, Adrian. What a beautiful day it is today. I know the sun has not crept up above the horizon just not yet, but yet. yeah, it's, it's, every day is great, and, and I'm just naturally joyful, so I, I, I'd like to spread that around, but yeah. Good morning to you, Adrian. How are you doing? <laughs> I'm doing well. I'm Excellent. doing well. Praise be to God. It's a it's a good day to be here, especially on Catholic Radio. It's always a good day to be on Catholic Radio. You know, it's a, it's a blessing, and I am happy to be here. Praise be to God. Uh, at 15 past the hour, we're going to discuss a concerning story about dissident nuns that claim that pro-life laws threaten the lives and dignity of women. At 30 past the hour, uh, Daily Wire is under attack. It's kind of interesting. Uh, Matt Walsh got hacked. Michael Knowles had an, there was an effigy of him burned. And Brett Cooper, her, she was uh, kicked off of social media. Uh, all these things were happening within like a 24-hour time span. Mm, very concerning. So we're definitely going to be talking about those stories coming up, uh, along with a number of other concerning stories that are happening during uh, during the last 24 hours of it's been a busy, busy week. A lot of things going on around the country, and we definitely won't be able to get to all the stories, but we're going to get to as many as we can we can possibly cover in a day. But 
Let's uh, jump in with our, our prayers. Let's pray. Of course, we're going to be praying for your intentions, praying for our friends, family, and benefactors, all those that we promise to pray for, whatever your intentions are. We offer the, those prayers up for you. And I'm going to pray in a special way for uh, my friend Sean and his wife Tiffany. Uh, I've been praying for them all week and then granting that their uh, their wedding was last Saturday. But also for my cousin whose uh, wedding is tomorrow. So that's going to be very exciting. I'm going to be heading to that wedding tomorrow afternoon. So very excited for that. So my cousin Haley, prayers for her and her soon-to-be husband. Uh, so prayers for all these things. So praise be to God. Uh, now, let's begin. We'll pray to the Holy Spirit. We'll pray the Vini Sancti Spiritus, because April is dedicated to the Holy Ghost. So we'll pray to the Holy Spirit by praying the Vini Sancti Spiritus. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of thy faithful, and enkindle in them the fire of thy love. Send forth thy Spirit, and they shall be created, and thou shalt renew the face of the earth. Oremus, O God, who taught the hearts of the faithful by the light of the Holy Spirit, grant that by the gift of the same Spirit we may be always truly wise and ever rejoice in his consolation. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. And now your headline news from Tito Edwards. Good morning. You are listening to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. Today is Thursday, April 20th, and these are your headlines. Catholic News reports... Catholic News Agency reports friends and colleagues pay tribute to Kevin Vost, a man of many talents and virtues who wrote two dozen books after his conversion from atheism to the Catholic faith. Others who worked with Vost on his books said similar things about him. Sophia Institute Press published 12 books by him. The company's president, Charlie McKinney, told CNA, Kevin was one of the nicest and kindest of all authors we have worked with over the years. Sarah Lee Mew, director of publicity at Sophia Institute Press, added, Kevin was so authentic and genuine, he radiated, radiated the love of Christ in all that he did. CatholicCulture.org reports a new feature, feature film, The Hong Konger, tells the story of Jimmy Lai, the Catholic convert, newspaper magnate, and billionaire who is now imprisoned for his defense of democracy in Hong Kong. The Hong Konger is a document by the Acton Institute. When Hong Kong's basic freedoms come under, under attack, the newspaper publisher and pro-democracy activist Jimmy Lai finds himself in the crosshairs of the state and must choose between defending Hong Kong's long-standing liberties or his own freedom. CatholicCulture.org reports another decisive Vatican no for German reformers, lay participation in archbishops' elections. In September, the Archdiocese of Paderborn formed a lay group to participate along with the cathedral chapter in the election of the next archbishop. The Archdiocese of Paderborn announced that the answer from Rome makes it clear that an extension of pontifical secrecy and thus participation in the election of the archbishop is not compatible with the provisions of the Prussian Concordat and endangers the legality of the election of bishops. The Archdiocese did not reveal which Vatican official said no to lay participation in the election of the Archbishop. And finally, Asian News reports most Taiwanese do not feel Chinese and reject the 1992 consensus, an agreement between the national parties of Kuomintang and Communist China, which former Taiwanese President Ma Yangzhu praised during his recent and controversial trip to the Chinese mainland. Survey data from from a poll conducted by the Taiwanese Public Opinion Foundation refute Ma's claim that the people of Taiwan and China are all Chinese. 
as the Taiwan Strait considers is considerably raising up its temperature between the two powers. Those were your headlines this morning. May God bless you all. The Gospel of the Day comes from John chapter 3, verses 31 through 36. He who comes from above is above all men's reach. The man who belongs to earth talks the language of earth, but one who comes from heaven must needs be beyond the reach of all. He bears witness of things that he has seen and heard, and nobody accepts his witness. The man who does accept his witness has declared once and for all that God cannot lie, since the words spoken by him whom God has sent are God's own words. So boundless is the gift God makes of his spirit. The Father loves his Son, and so has given everything into his hands. And he who believes in the Son possesses eternal life. Whereas he who refuses to believe in the Son will never see life. God's displeasure hangs over him continually. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. And you know the to start off. This、uh, the commentary on the, on the gospel. I actually want to go backwards、uh, for a second to the、uh, the saint of the day because the saint of the day,、uh, for some reason, I kind、uh, of switched over to something completely different and the same name but a different person. So I want to correct that. Saint Conrad of Parzam. He was born into a pious family of peasants in Parzam, Bavaria, in 1818. As a boy, he was known for his continuous prayer and for always keeping his head uncovered in the fields as a sign of respect for the majesty of God. He left his family home and inheritance at the age of 30 to become a lay brother in the Capuchin order, or is it Capuchin? There you go.、And、taking the name Conrad, assigned as the porter of the Capuchin monastery of Altalting, Conrad spent 41 years attending to his job with great tact and attention. He was known for his patience, respect for others, humility, and piety, and was always willing to assist others. He was also a silent preacher who converted sinners and consoled the afflicted and helped the poor. Saint Conrad of Parzam died on April twenty-first, eighteen ninety-four, three days after resigning his office of porter. His piety, mortification, and missionary work made him an example of the capacity of carrying out a great apostolate, even without the capacity to speak or teach. Now this is Saint Conrad of Parzam.、Uh, pray for us. Now the commentary from the Gospel of the Day comes from Cornelius Alapide. He had a lot to say here. He said, "No one receiveth," meaning hyperbically, because there were hyperbolically rather,、uh, because there were some who did receive. So not everyone. He's not speaking everyone. He's、um, over. He's speaking in broad terms because there were some who did in fact receive. He said, "For although many flocked to Jesus." Yet, in comparison with those who stayed at home and neglected the preaching of Jesus, there were but a few. And even amongst those few, some believed and some believed not, such as the scribes and the Pharisees. So John refers to his own disciples as Saint Chrysostom and Euthymius, because a few of the Jews came to him, and fewer still believed. Now, this is a perfect example of today, right? How many people even come to hear the word of God? How many people come to mass? How many people come to the sacraments? The number is very few. Among those who are believers, or at least come, how many of them are those who are actual disciples? Are people who actually follow the law or attempt, or what we would call practicing? Who? How many of those are there? Well, one might say, no one receiveth.
Now, in verse 33, it says, He that hath received, or that receiveth his testimony, and by believing, hath signed, as St. Cyril says, such as one testifies that God the Son is true, who declares these very things. He who believes in God and in his Son gives great honor to God, because by his belief he professes that God is true and primal and infallible and the truth itself. On the contrary, he that believeth not dishonors God, because in reality he makes him out to be false or a liar, which is the highest possible contempt and blasphemy of God. To say that he that is truth itself is falsehood is a great and horrific blasphemy. As St. John says in his epistle, he that believeth on the Son of God hath the witness in himself. He that believeth not God hath made him a liar, because he believeth not the record that God gave of his Son. Now remember the words from the prayer of uh, the act of faith that we make every morning. I believe because he hath revealed it to me who can neither deceive nor be deceived. This is something that's very, very important. Something that we should continue to think about. Now to skip to the end here, and we'll go backwards if we have time. In verse 36, it says here, He that believeth hath in hope and of right as in the root and seed, but not yet in deed and fruit nor even in actuality. So he's talking about, you, it's not faith alone. It's, you have to actually have fruit as well. He goes on, he says, He hath faith and grace, which give him the right to glory. But it is grace begun in the spiritual knowledge and love of God, which will be perfected after de- death in heaven, as it is said in John seventeen three. This is life eternal, the way in the consummate commencement of life that they may know thee the only true God in Jesus Christ whom thou hast sent but he that believeth not and shall not see shall not enjoy the wrath of God abideth the vengeance of God and hell shall eternally punish him hear Saint Cyril they shall not see life not even as far as the bare sight of, its, of it pertains shall they be able to attain to the life of the saints. They shall not taste of those joys. They shall not see that true life. They shall be tormented with sufferings worse than any kind of death and only retain their souls and their bodies through the sense of pain. Now this reminds me of Our Lady of Fatima appearing to the shepherd children. 10-year-old Lucia recounts it, saying that hell was so horrible and they only saw it for a moment that she would have died if Our Lady had not revealed to them that they would go to heaven. So what's the answer? To be like Jacinta and pray, fast, and do penance. That's poor sinners not to go to hell. We'll be right back with more after this. Hey, Donnie, name four of the seven sacraments. Baptism, confession. That's right, reconciliation. Communion. Confirmation. As parents, we're the primary educators of our Catholic faith to our children. And if you don't know your Catholic faith as well as you should, that's okay. Just tune in daily to the Guadalupe Radio Network by logging online to grnonline.com. The Guadalupe Radio Network. Listen, learn, love, and pass it on. 
Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question. Why is your Protestant Bible four ounces lighter than my Catholic Bible? Well, here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, a faulty scale? Nope. Well, maybe it's just the weight of the paper or the cover or the binding or some introductory comments. We wish it were just that simple. No, it's the seven books that got dismissed by team Martin Luther. Secondly, audacity. Audacity allowed Luther and others to extract time-tested truths of Scripture and key letters from the canon. What? Yes, about 1,200 years after the Bible canon was fully established, they rejected seven Old Testament books. Not only that, Luther placed the New Testament books of James and Jude, Hebrews and Revelation in a category called, quote, the disputed books. And thirdly, a pesky comeback. If I were to write a deeply personal letter to my wife regarding our future descendants, don't be taking seven of my choice paragraphs out of that letter. Why? You might be robbing those future descendants of a little bit of who Papa was. Now, don't you do that. And welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca. It's so good to be on with you today. Now, there's a lot of interesting stories that were in the news the last 24 or 48 hours. And yesterday, we didn't get to cover any of them. And so today is a, like... It's rapid fire mode. We're going to go through as many stories as we can, and we're still not going to be able to hit all of them. But it, there's a lot going on around the U.S., uh, many stories that we need to be aware of. And you, you might think, okay, well, how do you choose the stories that you do? Well, the reason why I choose certain stories to talk about is because there are some stories that have an effect on us. There are some stories that we should pray about. There are some stories that I think are affecting our children and that we should be able to be ready to defend our children from these things, and things that uh, are something that we should prepare for, things that we, we need to know about the information so we can prepare for it. So all these different things are uh, kind of one of the reasons the way I pick it. But there are also some stories that I choose that are there to just let you know that you're not crazy. Uh, because some people, are, we, have, uh, we have certain positions that people hold, and if you uh, hold to those positions and you hear nobody else talk about them, you think, am I the crazy one? I can't be the, cr- the only person that thinks this. And so sometimes it's good to highlight certain stories just to remind you that you're not crazy. And this first story that I want to cover is exactly this. Now, this comes from Alex Brinson in his Substack. He says the headline is very urgent. The FDA is raising the white flag on the mRNA COVID shots. Now, hopefully this doesn't get us uh, kicked off the Internet for uh, doing this, but luckily we're on uh, Guadalupe Radio Network, so this should not happen. But here's the story. The FDA has made major changes to the mRNA COVID-19 vaccine regimen. As of today, unvaccinated adults will only receive a single dose of the newer, quote, bivalent vaccine, which supposedly works better than the Omicron strain. This change comes under the guise of simplifying the COVID vaccination schedule and has effectively undoes more than two years of public health guidance on the importance of the two-dose mRNA regimen. Additionally, almost no one under 65 is eligible for a second booster. How many boosters did you get? I'm just, just wondering. Was it three, four? How many did they recommend? Five? I can't even remember how many they recommended anymore. But now, if you are under the age of 65, you're not even eligible for a second booster. The FDA is also discouraging repeated booster doses, stating that most Americans who have already received a bivalent booster will not be eligible for another dose for now. This change comes as the demand for the mRNA vaccine has collapsed, not just in the United States, but worldwide. 
The change is even bigger than it appears as each dose of the Moderna bivalent vaccine contains only half as much mRNA as the original Moderna shot. So people who receive the Moderna uh, vaccine will get only one quarter as much mRNA as the original dosing schedule, 50 micrograms instead of 200. Pfizer booster contains 30 micrograms of mRNA, the same as the original dose, so the Pfizer regimen has been cut only in half. This change in guidance is significant and marks a major shift in the public health officials are approaching the pandemic. Now, obviously, we're no longer in a pandemic, finally. Uh, thank you, Joe Biden, to, for finally saying that we're not in a pandemic. But this is a very concerning story because uh, what does it say about the vaccines that people already got? Uh, if the medical establishment is coming out and saying, well, actually, you only need one fourth of the stuff that we gave you and you don't need any boosters. Wow, that's pretty telling. And one of their excuses that they're giving for the change is saying, well, you see, many people caught COVID and the antibodies are really good. So really, you need less. Uh, very OK. There you go. There you go. Very interesting. Uh, what are your thoughts about that, Tito? It's 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 interesting uh, and ridiculous at the same time. And uh, but going uh, a little bit earlier about those booster shots, it it's uh, yeah. Th thank goodness President Biden rejected and ended the pandemic uh, watch or whatever it was called. And uh, and now they're coming out that you're not even supposed to take a second or third booster, considering how many people I know and how how many people out there I've read in the news have taken multiple booster shots on top of one, two or three COVID shots. It's uh, the further we get away from this, the more uh, ridiculous it looks just looking back at all of this and seeing how the government and and the media, the, the so-called independent media just came down hard on the American people on, on pushing this 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 uh, this these covid shots. And, and uh, it's frustrating to see how so many bishops uh, folded under this pressure and and banned mass for two, three weeks, even longer in many other places and around the world. So it's it's um, thankfully we're getting away from this and, and hopefully we'll be wiser for, for the next time this happens, because hopefully there'll be a strong resistance to government oversight and overreach and. Uh, so on and so forth. The, yeah, the for government's sure. getting too much power. For sure, for sure. It's uh, very it's very good that it has happened, and I hope people keep their eyes open about these kind of things. Whenever people start backtracking, we should keep track of that to make sure that we know that we're not crazy. We weren't the crazy ones. So hopefully this doesn't get banned for, for reading the uh, the new report. Now, here we see another story that's very concerning out of LifeSite News. Matt Lamb reports dissident nuns claim pro-life laws threaten the lives and dignity of women. Now, here's the story. In an op-ed article published in The Inquirer, a Cincinnati publication, a group of dissident nuns have spoken out against the efforts in Ohio to restrict abortion and protect the lives of the pre-born. The sisters who belong to various orders, including the Sisters of Mercy, the Sisters of Charity, and the Dominican Sisters of Peace, claim that such efforts are a threat to the lives and dignity of women. Uh, notice here, they're Sisters of Peace, and it's very interesting how they kind of just co-opt the word peace. Now, it goes on, the nuns wrote, abortion bans in Ohio and other states have made high-risk pregnancies even more dangerous. 
black and Hispanic women who often struggle to access quality medical care and suffer from higher maternal mortality rates are disproportionately impacted by these punitive laws. Sadly, many politicians and religious leaders often promote these politicians as pro-life. The so-called nuns wrote, if Ohio lawmakers are elected officials and elected officials across the country truly care about being pro-life, they should consider how these punitive laws hurt women and fail to address the complexity involved in how women use discernment to make reproductive decisions. Hmm. Does this sound like the way a nun talks? Sounds like an NGO. Like a, a religious sister talks. Um we women need to be used discernment to make reproductive decisions. Sure. How about the reproductive decision that women need to discern is whether or not to engage in premarital relations? Or how about marry the right man? Or how about those kind of discernments and not the discernments of should I murder my child or not? That's not a discernment that anybody needs to make. It's very clear in moral theology that when proposed with two decisions, if one is a sin and the other is not a sin, you automatically go to the one that's not a sin. And it requires zero discernment. The only time you have to discern something is when you have two good options and you're trying to choose which good option is the one that you should take. That's whenever discernment comes into place. When it's a option of sin or not sin, there is no discernment because the choice is obvious. You go with not sin. Very, very concerning hearing this from so-called sisters. The Sisters of Mercy have a long history of left-leaning activism. They're involved in the nuns on the bus movement, which helped push for the pro-abortion Obamacare bill, bill, and they often travel the country pushing liberal agenda items under the veil of Catholicism. Other co-authors of the article are affiliated with the Sisters of Charity, the Dominican Sisters of Peace in Columbus, and the Sisters of Hope in Cincinnati. (laughs) This happens at the same time that recently a group of dissident nuns celebrated the Transgender Day of Visibility. Now now tell me again, does this sound like, like sisters to you? Does this sound like nuns to you? Nope. A day of which affirms someone's gender dysphoria and disordered desire to present themselves as the opposite sex. The statement from the Sisters of St. Joseph U.S. Federation, the Sisters of Providence of St. Mary of the Woods in Indiana, and Sisters of Charity of Lavensworth JPIC office reads, as vowed Catholic religious, allegedly, and our partners in mission, we wholeheartedly affirm that transgender, non-binary, and gender-expansive individuals are beloved and cherished by God. We know our actions and commitment must extend beyond this day's observance. Uh, two things here. One, no, you, they, these people do not exist. There's no such thing as a transgender person. There's no such thing as a non-binary person. There's no such thing as a gender-expansive individual. Yes, the people who I think they are those things are loved by God. But the people who, who but those people do not exist because... That's not a category of being. There's no such thing as non-binary. How do we know this? Well, you're a religious sister. Don't you read the Bible? Have you read, not read Genesis? For God made them man and woman. He made them Adam and Eve. And what does our Lord say referring back to Genesis? And he, in the context of divorce, but it applies even more so to this. In the beginning, it was not so. For God made the man and woman, and the man shall leave his father and mother and cling to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. 
This is that excludes transgender ideology. It excludes non-binaryism. It excludes gender expansive individualism. individualism. Makes no sense. Yes, these people struggling with their mental illness are loved by God, but this category of being does not exist. Now, if they said we wholeheartedly believe that people who struggle thinking they are transgender are loved by God, well, then there could be a legitimate thing to be uh, defended there. But this statement is absurd and evil. Now, to conclude, it says the statement also claimed that at this moment in the United States, transgender people are experiencing harm and erasure due to the introduction and approval of anti-LGBT legislation across several states, harmful rhetoric from some Christian institution, their leaders, including the Catholic Church and daily discrimination and violence. Are people that are identifying as transgender experiencing discrimination and violence? I don't see that. I see the exact opposite. I see months dedicated to celebrating these people. I see companies bending over backwards for these people. I see everything but discrimination and violence. And I'm not saying that we should have violence, but I am saying that there should be discrimination. We should not allow these things to be in the public square. This is uh, obscenity, and we have obscenity laws, and this is disgusting, so it should not be allowed. The other thing to note is... Have these people been excommunicated? Have they been banned from every diocese in America? Has the Pope come out and fought against these people? Well, no, no, because uh, we're too busy attacking traditional Catholics. We're too busy having the traditional Catholics being labeled the boogeyman. We're too busy saying that traditional Catholics are harming the faith. Now, how is it that traditional Catholics who believe and hold entirely to the Catholic faith who believe every single dogma of the church, who accept the entirety of the magisterium, who believe and love the faith and love Our Lady and love innocent life and fight for the unborn and fight for truth. Those people are the bad guys. But these nuns on the bus, these dissident nuns, these so-called religious, these people who reject God, reject the truth, reject church teaching, I haven't heard anybody come out against them. I have heard Pope Francis come out and condemn these sisters and tell them y'all need to get in line or be excommunicated. Why not? Very, very concerning. Something that we should pray about. Something that we should just keep in mind. Now, we'll be right back with more after this. Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. When you walk into your non-denominational church or your megachurch, what do you see? What stands out to you? Well, here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, observations in a Catholic church. You will notice at least eight items, all of which have religious, historical, or biblical significance. Secondly, what are those items? As soon as you walk in, the can't miss, baptismal font, a stone altar, stained glass windows, 14 stations of Christ's passion, statues, a gold tabernacle, a lit candle near the tabernacle, and a large crucifix. Thirdly, my take. So, what seems to fill your church and truly move you toward Jesus? Oh, I know you don't need a physical or superfluous objects to move you toward Jesus. He's everywhere and in your heart. And that is true. But tell that to Moses, David, and Solomon, who were under strict and exact directions from God on how to build his house and then fill it with his Shekinah glory. I mean, does a comfy chair, does a flashy Fender guitar, does a well-fashioned stage move you toward contemplation and holiness? Remember, stages are for entertainment, but sanctuaries are for worship. It's to truly save souls. It's to save souls and 
We have a lot of different media platforms, whether it's through our TV, radio, music, and it's all promoting this culture that is really here to kill, steal, and destroy souls. And to have that Catholic voice on the air that is proclaiming the good news and able to touch and transform lives, um, what better thing to support? The Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul. Welcome back to the Catholic Drive Time Show. Today is Thursday, April 20th, 2023, and these are your headlines for this morning. LifeNews.com reports the Supreme Court extended its temporary block on a lower court decision on the abortion bill today for another two days, meaning it will issue a ruling Friday tomorrow on a lower court ruling banning mail-order abortions and putting safety measures in place to protect women who are currently being injured at high rates by the abortion pill. Justice Samuel Alito maintained the temporary block the temporary block so the Biden administration could file its legal briefs along with those from a manufacturer of the dangerous abortion pill. His prior temporary block was slated to expire tonight. The High Court initially made the decision to allow both sides in the legal battle a chance to provide additional information. CatholicCulture.org reports a legislative committee inquiry in the Australian Capital Territory has called on the territory's government to crack down on a Catholic hospital over its limited reproductive health care, i.e. offering abortions, which is a no-no. The territory, also known as ACT, is similar to Washington, D.C. The inquiry called on the hospital to offer the full suite of reproductive health care, according to the Australian Broadcasting Corporation. At a minimum, the hospital should be compelled to refer eight patients elsewhere for abortions. Catholic News Agency reports Pope Francis donated a relic of the True Cross for King Charles' coordination. Thanks to a gift from Pope Francis to King Charles III, two pieces of the True Cross on which Jesus was crucified will lead the reigning monarch of the UK coronation procession on May 6. The precious relics have been inlaid into the Cross of Wales, which will head Charles' procession into Westminster Abbey, where he will be officially crowned. And finally, Catholic News Agency reports Twitter quietly updated its policy on hateful conduct to remove its bans on deadnaming and misgendering transgender people. In essence, you are now allowed to call a man he instead of being forced to say she or banned. Since Musk took over the company, he has reinstated thousands of previously banned accounts. I'm Tito Edwards, and these are today's headlines through a Catholic lens. Thank you, Tito, for keeping us up to date. And can we, like, stop giving non-Catholics our relics? Like, is that a thing that we can do? Because I feel like we're doing that all the time. I feel like every day Pope Francis is giving away our relics to somebody. Or an icon. Um, So hopefully we get that back. I hope that's a uh, lending and not a, a giving. But anyway, uh, there are many stories, and I thought were very concerning. And whew, it is so many stories, and I, I want to cover all of them. I, I briefly will mention a couple stories because I want to get into the Matt Wall story, and I don't want to waste all of our time. But this are, is very, very concerning. A reported by Brandon Dre, he says, "Young Chicago couple attacked by teenage mob describes altercation as very random." while Illinois Senator calls violence a political act. Now, this is very concerning because last week, more than 100 teenagers took to the streets, causing chaos and destruction. And this couple, Ashley, I believe her last name is pronounced uh, Newsom, and her boyfriend, Devontae Johnson, 
were walking out of Nordstrom Rack, and they said that they were going to get lunch, and there's a video of it, where they bump into Ashley, and her boyfriend starts uh, trying to defend her, and the mob jumps the guy and starts beating him, and he gets a black eye. Uh, he says he thinks he dislocated his shoulder, oh. and he said his, he woke up with a... With the, his, his back was sore the next day, and it's I mean he got beat pretty pretty hard by these uh, people, and then immediately I'm thinking, okay, so what were the the races in the situation? And because the races were not were not reported on, so typically when hmm. races are not reported on, I typically think okay, the people were probably the victims were probably white, and instead the what I found was that the the Ashley is white and Devonte was black so they were a mixed race couple and so you're thinking okay well how did this happen why what was the what was the catalyst and it really does seem that this was just completely random and that the local police drove past the incident and did not intervene which is very concerning it's understandable because i mean when you see a mob of 100 people if you're a a police officer what do you do what do you do that's it's very concerning if you're a police officer, you don't want to die, uh, but you're required. You need to protect life. You need to protect the people. That's your your job to serve and protect. So what do we do? I, I don't know what the answer is, except that Chicago needs to be needs to be there. Needs to be laws enforced in Chicago. They need a huge turnaround. The problem is they got rid of Lori Lightfoot and replaced her. <laughs> with an even worse person, Brandon Johnson. So needless to say, I will not be going back to Chicago anytime soon. I love Chicago, and I will not go back. Um, that is just absolutely horrible situation that I do not want to find myself in. So that's a very concerning story, and much more can be said there, but I'll leave it at that. Uh, now, this other story is something that you probably will not hear on secular media. Well, of course, many of the stories that you're hearing here won't be heard on secular media, but this story is not going to get much coverage at all. And let me tell you why. You'll find out immediately whenever you hear this headline. Ohio Pro-Life Pregnancy Center vandalized with Abort God by pro-abortion militant group Jane's Revenge. This is reported by Cassandra McDonald. Now, the story goes, in Ohio, a pro-life pregnancy center was vandalized with pro-abortion messages, including Abort God over the weekend. The vandal wrote Jane's revenge on her choice, building the name of the pro-abortion militant group that has taken credit for arson attacks, fire bombings of pregnancy centers, and pro-life organizations across the country. Now, where's the FBI in this? So you're telling me that the FBI has informants and spies in traditional Catholic groups like the SSPX, the Fraternity of St. Peter, and other Dawson Latin Masses, yet... They don't have FBI informants with Jane's Revenge, yet they can't seem to uh, actually stop people who are firebombing buildings, who are vandalizing buildings, who are threatening uh, pro-life pregnancy centers. Very interesting, I would say. Uh, now, her choice, also known as the Bowling Green Predator Center, provides women with ultrasounds, STI testing, parenting classes, and pregnancy tests. See how wicked and evil these people are? They're just helping women, and they're not even asking for anything in return. Isn't that crazy? They also offer free supplies like formula, clothing, and diapers for babies and toddlers. Man, these people, they must really hate women. Uh, Rochelle <laughs> Sakura, the executive director of Her Choice, told Fox News 
that the vandalism happened in the morning of April 15th. She called the attack part of a nationwide movement to intimidate, threaten, and terrorize pregnancy centers and criticized the misconceptions, misinformation, and outright lies that she said are driving this trend. Now, it's interesting because would this be considered a domestic terrorism attack? Because isn't terrorism a act of violence with a political intention? Isn't that the definition of terrorism? So if this is a directed for a political intention, it wouldn't this be considered an act of terrorism? And why is it not treated as such? Why is Jane's Revenge not categorized as a terroristic organization? It should be. It yeah. should be. That, the, the FBI is dragging their feet on these domestic terror groups that are not being identified, like Jane's Revenge and, and uh, Antifa and... And uh, a while back, the BLM, my, my, my goodness. And we're being told by the, the newscasters in these mainstream media outlets and the Biden administration officials that Antifa and Jane's Revenge, that's just an idea. It's amazing how an idea is able to spray paint and, and deface property of all these pregnancy uh, care centers across the country. It's, it's mind-boggling. So this uh, the other thing that's interesting and worthy of note is that this is just one of over 100 attacks against pro-life pregnancy centers and pro-life organizations across the country since last year. How many have you heard of? How many were in the news? And what are they reporting on instead of this? Over 100 attacks against pro-life pregnancy centers. Have you heard it in your local news? Have you heard it on your national news? Why isn't this talked about? Seems very political. Now, everyone should be concerned about these violent acts, and officials at all levels of government should speak out against them to put an end to these senseless attacks once and for all. Uh, they, people, they encourage you to call the FBI and let them know. Go to tips.fbi.gov, and remember, you may remain anom anonymous. Uh, yeah, so if you know anything, submit a tip. I'm kind of cavalier about it because I'm like, dude, I'm sure they can figure this out if they really wanted to. Like, really? There's no cameras around? They, they couldn't figure this out? Really? So... Very, very interesting, very concerning. Now, here's a very concerning story, and this is the story I wanted to talk about during this segment, but uh, we're running out of time, so we're going to start the topic. We'll cover it on the other side of the break. Now, Daily Wire has been under attack big time. Uh, it's kind of strange. It's kind of interesting to me because the Daily Wire is not like this far-right extremist organization. They're pretty, pretty normal and if, to be completely honest, they're, they're very middle of the road on a lot of things. The problem is that we've gone so ridiculously crazy that to be normal is like to be far right radical. And Michael, no, I mean, Matt Walsh has in the past made this joke about himself. And I've mentioned this before, but I think it's hilarious. Uh, Matt Walsh has, uh, has said in the past that he's not that smart. He's like, I'm not that smart. I'm not that insightful. But. Because I say normal things, people are like, oh, my goodness, you're a radical. You're crazy. And he, uh, he's like, I wouldn't in a normal society, I would not have a platform. I would not be popular. I would not have anything insightful to say. He said, because all I do is just say things that are normal. And that's really, really true. Like, I don't know. Anyway, if you went back in time, 20, 30 years, people would probably consider the uh, Daily Wire slightly left of center. But... Now that we're in the 21st century, 2023, they're considered these far-right radicals. And so it seems like the whole entire world is attacking them. So we're going to cover that story when we come back after this short break. 
Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. Who are the ten most well-known preachers in America? Well, here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Here's the list. Copeland, Osteen, Benny Hinn, Joyce Myers, T.D. Jakes, Stephen Furtick, Andy Stanley, Robert Jeffers, Rick Warren, Alistair Begg, John MacArthur. Well, secondly, all these pastors say the same thing on Sunday morning, which is, turn with me in your Bible. Well, then how's the harmony regarding, say, eternal security, disagreement, present-day ministry of the Holy Spirit, Disagreement. Relationship of baptism to salvation. Disagreement. Church government. Disagreement. Life beginning at conception until natural death. Disagreement. And eschatology. Disagreement. So what's going on here? Well, if you are someone who says, all I need is the word of God, brother, because the Bible is going to give me everything I need to live out the Jesus life. Okay. Hope you've already ditched your favorite blogger, your favorite preacher, your favorite podcaster, and most of all, your religious Google searches. Well, speaking of Google searches, I do request one last Google search for you. Magisterium. Hey, Donnie, what do we say when we make the sign of the cross? In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Did Mama teach you that? As parents, we're the primary educators of our Catholic faith to our children. And if you don't know your Catholic faith as well as you should, that's okay. Just tune in daily to the Guadalupe Radio Network by logging online to grnonline.com. The Guadalupe Radio Network. Listen, learn, love, and pass it on. Welcome back to the Catholic Drive Time Show. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca, and happy Easter to you. Remember, Christ is risen. Truly, he is risen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise be to God. Maybe you shout out hallelujah today. Make sure you do so. Get everybody in the car and just be like, hallelujah. Praise be to God. It's a good time. It's a good thing to do. Now, before we went to break, we were talking about the situation with the Daily Wire being attacked right now. It's kind of strange how much Daily Wire is being attacked. Now, here's the story. Catholic Daily Wire podcaster and author Matt Walsh became the victim of a digital attack on Tuesday night, leaving him outraged and shaken. Hackers apparently gained access to his phone's SIM card, which enabled them to post vile comments on Twitter under his profile and presumably access years of emails, photos, and personal messages. Walsh, who has helped bring widespread public and legislative attention to the sexual indoctrination and mutilation of children via transgender ideology, began trending Tuesday night on Twitter after a series of offensive messages were tweeted out from his account. Daily Wire co-founder Jeremy Boring told followers on Wednesday that the attack was not limited to Walsh's Twitter account. The hackers had managed to gain access to everything, including 20 years of Matt's emails. He expressed concern about the full extent and danger of the hacking against Matt Walsh, who had been forced to establish nearly 24-7 security around his home due to threats to himself and his family in connection with his outspoken conservative views. Now, remember when people keep trying to tell me that I'm fear-mongering and that I am crazy to say that if you uh, are a God-fearing person and you love the truth, that you should probably think of buying a firearm and probably think of training and probably think of preparing yourself to defend yourself, your family, and your loved ones. Mm, very interesting because it seems like um, that this is exactly what we should do. Now, going on, it says, in a podcast episode on Wednesday, editor emeritus Ben Shapiro said Walsh's phone itself had been hacked, not just his accounts. According to Shapiro, hackers likely either gained physical access to Walsh's phone and copied a SIM card or requested a copy from a service provider while impersonating him. 
Walsh himself has been public about the attack, saying on Wednesday that the hacker had an insider. Now, this is interesting. Uh, in, yeah. the, he says that the who gave him access to my phone. He said the hacker had an insider who gave him access to my phone. He went on to say that his team is finding out what led to the hack and that there will be consequences. Sadly, this is not the first time that leftists have angered by Walsh, have cons- uh, conservative views on hot-button issues like transgender ideology, have attempted to use the media to destroy the Catholic father of six, Six's career. Last year, left-wing outfit Media Matters unearthed recordings from Walsh's days as a shock jock at a local radio station in his 20s. In one recording, Walsh spoke about the fact that people used to get married and start families earlier in life than they do now. In response to Walsh's consistent condemnation of sexualization of children, they him. They started accusing him of being a groomer. Of course, they always accuse people <laughs> of the things that they are doing. So they, they groom children, and they uh, promote pedophilia, and then they accuse you of being a groomer and being a pedophile. Walsh has repeatedly vowed not to be intimidated by his opponents on the radical left. On Wednesday, he said he also made note of the members of the media who openly solicited stolen information from my phone, adding, there will be consequences. There will be consequences there, too. In a world where cyber attacks are becoming more common, especially against those with dissenting views, it is imperative that people are held accountable for their actions. This attack on Matt Walsh comes amid a wider spat of attacks on the Daily Wire. Walsh's YouTube account was demonetized. Brett Cooper was permanently banned on TikTok. And leftist activists burned an effigy of Michael Knowles at the University of Pittsburgh. However, the company's co-founder struck an optimistic tone in his Wednesday Twitter thread, pointing out that the company has scored numerous high-profile victories against their opponents. So that's the story there, and it's very concerning. It's very, uh, it's very interesting because, like I said in the last hour, the situation is pretty. It's not very controversial. They're not saying crazy things. It's not like they that Matt Walsh is coming out and saying, "Oh yes, we need Mussolini to be the, the king of uh, America." He all he's saying is a woman is a woman and a man is a man. In fact, it's kind of amusing to me because uh, if you don't follow the Babylon Bee, you should. It's because they're hilarious. Yeah. Uh, the Babylon Bee put out a, a satire article where it says uh, about this exact story. He says, damning leak reveals Matt Walsh knew what a woman was this whole time. <laughs> uh, as a joke, because he made a documentary called What is a Woman? And in, in this fake article, he says, uh, <laughs> he says, a damning leak uh, reveals that, his, uh, that in spite of the question posed by his documentary, What is a Woman? He has actually known what a woman was this entire time. <laughs> Stunning, disgusting, rank hypocrisy and transgender former journalist Brian Stelter says, we all knew Walsh wasn't who he claimed to be. And now we have proof. Uh, CEO Jerry Boring, also disappointing the news, said, I dumped millions into Matt's documentary to discover the answer to his question. And it turns out he knew the answer the whole time. I feel betrayed. Uh, I think it's hilarious. I yeah, think it's so funny. It's, it's funny as, as heck. The, the uh, Matt Walsh is very effective, and they're going after him, calling evil good and good evil. The example that you brought up, how they're accusing him of being a groomer because he allows his children to play outdoors, to build log cabins, to sew, learning how to sew, and they accused him of 
grooming his children to be toxic masculine and and too uh, feminine for their children because he re- takes their phones away and lets lets them run around unattended out in the woods in his backyard. These people do not have scruples. They are going for the throat. They're, it's and it's getting worse every day. And when I say that, I don't mean rhetorically. I mean figuratively and literally. It's getting worse. They they were burned an effigy of Michael Knowles. They hacked Matt Walsh's phone and they demonetized his uh, YouTube channel. And and a couple of, and one other person got kicked out of TikTok, which by the way I would never go on. But nonetheless, uh, it, it's getting something's going on in our culture in the spiritual realm. There is a vicious battle going on, and I think. Uh, we may have scored some points out there in uh, on the other, on the other side of the veil, and their reaction affirms that. I think we need to continue on the offensive. We need to speak the truth with charity, and, and Matt's not even saying anything offensive. That man is a man. He's not a girl. He's not. And by the way, many men claiming to be trans are claiming to be girls. Notice how they purposely choose the word girl and not woman. So. We need to be aware of what's going on around us in our culture. And thanks for listening to to uh, the GRN show and, and our program because we get uh, we we're not going to get information like this anywhere else. Now it's interesting because the <laughs> the story uh, reported by the Post Millennial says that the that a Wired writer has now been suspended from Twitter. So way to go to. Uh, to our buddy Elon Musk. Elon Musk, uh, we, he reversed the ban on misgendering and denaming people. And, and the process of this, and by this result, they, we have also seen that the Wired reporter gets banned at the same time this is happening, which is good news because this guy was soliciting the hacked materials. But oh you remember my. that hacked materials is not allowed on Twitter. That's part of their policies. Remember with the whole story with Hunter Biden's laptop, which was not hacked. That was not hacked, and yet they banned him from Twitter. That was happening, and and this is something that we need to be aware of because these kind of situations are are happening more and more, and there's a double standard that is being in, in place. It's good to see that that um, uh, that Elon Musk is uh, not following that double standard and is in fact applying the same standard to these people. Now, another thing that was interesting was that at a screening of Matt Walsh's "What Is a Woman" at Iowa State, uh, Antifa came out and they actually dumped marbles all over the ground to in an attempt to uh, injure the people to get them to fall down the stairs. Isn't that very interesting? These people are attacking. Is this, how is this not a violent attack? Now, we see the same thing happen. They said, uh, kick them off campus. They put out a, a poster saying, don't let Young America Foundation's hate speech go unfought. It's on all of us to make Iowa City unwelcome for bigots. Now, this, he says they are bringing masks, banners, signs, air horns, air horns noisemakers, and your wonderful selves. These people are calling for the people to, uh, to attack, to fight, to hurt. And this is the exact, it's kind of funny because this is the tolerant left, right? These are the people that they call a tolerant. So where's your tolerance? Where's your tolerance? You have none. Pre- President, don't you know, Adrian, President Biden told us that Antifa is just an idea. None of this actually is existing in front of us. Yep, there you go. And 
the and Michael Knowles, the situation with burning his effigy, also very concerning because at the event, at the event where Michael Knowles was speaking, not only did they burn an effigy of him, but they also set off explosions. They threw incendiary devices at the building. During the event, uh, people had reported that they heard an explosion, a loud bang going from outside, and they didn't know what it was. And they found out later that an incendiary device was thrown at the building. Now, people, they were uh, kept in the building after the event was over because they had, um, they had to wait for, for police to arrive. And so they were surrounded by police. What was their crime? Their crime was that, that Michael Knowles debated a topic with someone about whether or not there should be legislation restricting transgender surgeries. That was their great crime. And so they had to have police officers uh, all over the place trying to protect them, and they had to be escorted out for safety. This is very, very concerning that we're seeing these people all over America being attacked for this reason. And this has even scratched the surface of all the different stories that we've seen uh, in recent times about these exact problems. And where is this coming from? This is coming from the transgender movement. That's where it's coming from. Every single one of these cases, it's always people from the LGBT community. Uh, these people are clearly mentally ill, and they clearly want to harm people. And so we have to protect ourselves. We have to make sure that we are able to defend ourselves and not be harmed. Because well, right now we're relying on the police. What if the police aren't there? Or what if, like in Chicago, the police are too afraid because there are too many, there's too many Antifa members, and so the police are scared to try to defend you. So then what are you going to do? It's something that we need to think about. And maybe we need to get out of the big cities. Maybe we need to avoid being near where these people gather. Maybe we need to go into a more secluded area, near our parishes, move near our churches, and defend our churches. So these are things that we need to think about, something that we need to be aware of, stories we need to follow so that way we can be prepared to protect ourselves, our family, our friends, and our faith. And remember... Do not fear him who can kill the body, but him who can kill the soul. We're right back with more Catholic Drive Time after this. I'm in a good place in my life. And I'm energized by new adventures. I've got friends to laugh with. And a good relationship. But even though I'm kind of comfortable, I sometimes wonder, is there something more? Could God in church be what you're looking for? Come and see at CatholicsComeHome.com. Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. Because Jesus said in Matthew 23 that no one should be called rabbi, father, or teacher, I'm sure you would never call one of your teachers teacher, would you? Well, here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, a Catholic no-no, calling a priest father. Well, what about Paul calling Timothy, Titus, and Onesimus his sons? No doubt his spiritual sons, but is it not proper for a spiritual son to call his spiritual father father? This reverential title should never have generated such a big point of contention. 
Secondly, in the New Testament, in Acts 7 and Romans 9, we see the term father being used referring to Abraham and some of our great patriarchs. And my take, isn't context everything? When Jesus is speaking to the multitudes, it's oftentimes in the language and style of hyperbole. His discourse was not focused on titles or ecclesiastical guidelines. Jesus was once again warning against giving honor where honor is not due. Next time you see your pastor, just say, hey, preacher, uh, that just seems so lacking. I've never heard y'all before. There is this lady with her big white SUV, and on the back of the windshield is this big cross with y'all's radio station underneath. Put it on y'all's radio station anyhow, and then it starts talking about the saints and how the saints give you signs, and they lead you into the right direction. I just appreciate you and God for putting that sign in my life and letting me know that it, it is Him, and it's okay. The Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul. A beacon of truth in a troubled world. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. Hi, I'm Peter Lombardi, owner of Visiting Angels Senior Home Care. You are listening to KSHJ AM 1430 in Houston. Radio for your soul. I hope you have celebrated well. Maybe made it to Mass an extra time during the week. Maybe make it to an hour of adoration if you can't make it to Mass at least once a week during the Easter season. And give thanks to God for He is risen. Truly He is risen. Now, There was an interesting article I was reading yesterday. It was published by WM Review. Now, this uh, blog, I don't really know much about it. Their description says, Essays on Catholic theology, history, and more. Committed to diligence, accuracy, and reason. Always read the footnotes. So it it tends to be, their articles tend to be more academic in nature. Uh, But I saw this article when I was reading it, and I found it very, very interesting. And the headline of the article is, it's not a sin to be depressed. Here's what Aquinas and Neri have to say. He goes on and says, quote, Try telling a paralyzed man to get up and walk, but without having any of Christ's power to make it happen. End quote. Now, this is very interesting to me because they're talking about the topic of depression, which is kind of a, kind of a hot-button issue, because, especially in psychology. Because in psychology, we found out recently that the kind of the conventional wisdom surrounding depression is not necessarily true. The whole idea that it's a mental imbalance in the brain, a chemical imbalance in the brain. Uh, More recent research seems to indicate that it's not the chemical imbalance that causes the depression, but the depression that causes the the, uh, chemical imbalance. Because we're not just a vat of chemicals. Now, in this article, it says, in the last piece on this topic, I explain how St. Thomas treats mirth, playfulness, affability as virtues, and that despite some people acting as if being humorless, dour, and rude is a virtue, these things are actually vices. Towards the end of that piece, I noted that this does not apply to those who are sad or depressed. There are a minority of Catholics today who hold that depression is a fault or the fruit of a fault, perhaps nothing more than vanity and pride. 
They speak as if depression is an invention of modern, and therefore we are to assume false, thought. And that perhaps doesn't even really exist. They speak as if one could free oneself from a state of depression by acts of the will. What should we make of this? Let's dig into the topic and see. Now, subtitle Compassion, it says, Some people in the world are sad for good reason. Some have experienced or lived through the sufferings which the rest of us could never even imagine. Some people's lives have been so filled with such trauma and difficulty that they have entered habitual states of sadness, sorrow, or numbness. In some cases, these states have even had effects on their bodies, and they are unable to leave these states by a mere act of the will. Based on the experience of such persons, we can loosely define depression as a persistent state of being unable to feel joy and motivation. Perhaps some feel numb to all emotion or experience an abiding involuntary sorrow which cannot easily be thrown off. This is obviously not a scientific definition, but it will serve for our purposes. It's common to materialize depression as if it is all about chemical imbalances. I have nothing to say on this except to note that a man is a rational animal, which means that he is a thing which is subsistent, bodily, living, sentient, and rational. The passions or the emotions which perhaps avoid negative connotations, pertains to the sentient animal nature. Chemical imbalances might pertain to the points of our nature that are merely bodily or living, but this does not exhaust what it means to be an animal. The emotions are truly good and proper features of an animal nature, and they cannot be reduced to mere chemical processes, nor to those of the intellect. It is also an error to spiritualize depression, as if the emotions belonging to solely to the immaterial soul and not to the body. This is perhaps the root of the idea that depression and other psychological problems are self-indulgent faults and can be cured by going to confession and getting a grip. What depressed people need to do, according to the spiritualization, is to decide to stop being depressed, try harder, and be more humble. Perhaps there needs to be there there are indeed self-indulgent persons who can and should just snap out of things, but let me be clear as a generalization, these are completely appalling ideas. So let's see what St. Thomas has to say. According to St. Thomas, St. Thomas's schema, sorrow is a passion defined as a kind of pain arising from the apprehension of a present evil. St. Thomas actually uses the very word depressing in explaining the effects of sorrow. He says, quote, Sorrow has a depressing effect. It is like a weight whereof we strive to unburden ourselves. Far from the strange and inhumane idea of equating depression with pride, St. Thomas says that it is a good sign if a man is in sorrow when exposed to something evil. Because if a thing really is evil, then a lack of sorrow would show either insensibility in the face of it or poor judgment, both of which are evil. If someone has been harmed or traumatized by great evil, then this abiding sorrow and depression is the, is the normal reaction. This is not to say that it's good to be depressed, but that the state can be a natural effect. Now, equating depression with pride is either a denial of the events or an, asser, an assertion that the state of depression is disproportionate to the cause. Now, this could be so. Now, the sorrow has bodily effects. St. Thomas teaches that sorrow can have harmful effects on the soul and the body. In fact, he teaches that sorrow is more harmful to the body than any of the other emotions or other passions. St. Thomas gives an example of the effects of psychology, psychological pain in the body in a fourfold division of sorrow, taken from St. John of Damascene and St. Gregory of Nyssa. The four things are pity for another's evil, considering as our own evil, envy for another's good, as consider our own, 
anxiety or perplexity, which weighs in the mind so as to make escape, and torpor, when the mind we be weighed down so much that even the limbs become motionless. He even recognized that torpor can deprive a man of speech. Now, pity causes us to suffer someone else's sorrow, so we kind of overly empathize, and so we kind of feel the pain that someone else has. Envy causes our, we cause sorrow in ourselves because we hate what someone else has that is good. So these are something that can actually, these have real effects on us, these kind of emotions, these kind of uh, psychological ideas actually have physical effects on us. Now, St. Thomas gives us remedies for it, though. So there are remedies. He says, one, you can contemplate the truth. Two, you can cry. And he says that crying, weeping, a period of weeping can actually be beneficial to you if you're depressed. He says sleep, make sure you're getting enough sleep, which, you know, it's kind of funny because modern science is actually catching up to this and saying that these things are good. And the last thing he mentions here is uh, bathing. Now, it's interesting because this is something that we've actually seen modern techniques to remove trauma. They say, okay, do something that is pleasant. Now, St. Thomas says contemplation of the truth because that's going to be the most most pleasant. If you instead watch a TV show, it's only going to numb your mind and you're going to be more depressed. So he says contemplate the truth. So go read Holy Scripture. Go read a good book. Go talk to a friend about the truth and, and contemplate the truth. Do things like that. Uh, cry. He said it's okay to cry every once in a while. If, you're, if your sorrow is real and it's about something that's, that's something you, you should be sorry, sorry about, then you should weep and sleep. And we have found so much research today, so much research, that getting enough sleep is crucial to our bodily and mental health. And I know mental health is kind of a buzzword nowadays, but it's a real thing. And so getting enough sleep is very, very important if you're depressed. Making sure you get at least eight hours of sleep, eight to ten hours of sleep every night. Very, very important. And then finally, a bath. He's saying... And here he's talking about uh, relaxation because during the time of St. Thomas, especially for a Dominican friar, Dominican friars were actually not allowed to bathe unless they were sick or they had uh, a really good reason. Wow. Yeah. And unlike uh, guys today who uh, my novice master when I was with the Dominicans was like, yeah, so in the rule, it says that you're only allowed to bathe in certain times. Um, y'all are going to bathe every single day, <laughs> but so that's a, not a thing anymore, but, and, uh, so bathing was kind of a saying like, you need to relax, you need to chill, you need to do something that is calming and you have to clean yourself. So take care of your body. So, uh, this is paralleled in modern research when they say, if you're depressed, exercise, go for walks, spend time outside, stay clean, organize your life. Um, it kind of like the if your room is a mess and you're depressed, maybe that's why a disordered life makes a disordered mind. So those are very uh, good things that St. Thomas gives us for these kind of things. Now, I really not convinced by the chemical imbalance thing, and I think this makes much more sense to me. Now, St. Thomas says that the uh, one of the things that he mentions is sympathy of friends. He says sorrow has a depressing effect. It is like a weight whereof. We strive to unburden ourselves that when a man sees others saddened by his own sorrows, it seems as though others were bearing the burden with him, striving, as it were, to lessen its weight. Wherefore, the load of sorrow becomes lighter for him. Something like that occurs in the carrying of bodily burdens. The second and better reason is because when a man's friends condole with him, he sees that he is loved by them. 
and this affords him pleasure, as stated above. Consequently, since every pleasure assuages sorrow, as stated above, it follows that sorrow is mitigated by a sympathizing friend. Now, this is so interesting because this is a advice that is, uh, that is so relevant to our lives. Uh, people like to categorize St. Thomas as staunchy, uh, pie in the sky, try to intellectual, but St. Thomas understood people. He understood human nature in a way that nobody today does. He had no access to modern literature, to modern science, to modern psychology, and yet he knows the human person better than any modern psychologist. I cannot recommend enough the writings of St. Thomas Aquinas. Now, a couple, a couple other things that he kind of mentions here is that is the, the idea of friendship. The idea of friendship is something that we have lost today. And I think is a cause for why we see so much depression. I think this is one of the leading causes of people being depressed and sorry all the time is because we don't have friendships. And what I mean by friendships is real friendships, because even among the friendships we have, most of them are not real. Most of them are very superficial. These are people you hang out with. These are the people you go to club with. These are the people you work with, but they're not real friendships. They're not people that you are striving for virtue with. They're not someone that you bear your soul to. In fact, many people will categorize if you have male friendships like this, that you're gay. And the same thing for women, though to a lesser extent for women. And this is just not the case. This is why we see articles come out about two male saints who were close friends during their life being categorized as gay. That's simply just false. That's simply wrong. Because real friendships is something that God desires. It's something that God loves. And something that directs us to heaven. How many saints? There were so many saints. Maybe we should do a show during the 7 o'clock hour about saints who were friends. Because so many saints lived in contemporary times with one another, and they were all saved together because they bolstered each other in the faith. So find those kind of friendships, make those friendships, and foster uh, situations where you can make those friends at church. Make those friends in your, with, uh, with people you know. It has to be intentional, though. You can't just fall into these kind of things. You have to seek these things out. So the last thing I want to say is uh, quoting the end of this article. It quotes Cardinal Newman. He says, when he was called upon to be merry, he was merry. When he was called upon to feel sympathy with the, with the distressed, he was equally ready. And this is what it means to be a friend. This is what it means for us to be true friends with someone. That when our friend is merry, we want to be merry with them. We don't want to envy their merriment. We don't want to envy the good that is happening to our friends, but we want to experience merriness with them. But when they are sad, when they are depressed, when they are distressed, we have to be equally ready to be distressed and to feel sympathy with our friends, to carry their burden, to not be like the friends of Job, who chastised Job in his sadness and in his and his chastisement, but instead to be a friend, to sympathize, to feel with him. And that is a lesson that we can make and hopefully can help us become better friends to, to our friends, that we can be a better people and try to help our friends in that path. But speaking of friends, if you're a friend of Catholic Drive Time, you should call in for our game show, Fear and Trembling, that number to call 877 877- 757-9424 
877-757-9424. Call now and you can be the contestant. We take the first caller, 877-757-9424. We'll be right back with Fear and Trembling after this. Wouldn't it be great if everyone read the Bible regularly? Why not start today? A friendly suggestion from Guadalupe Radio Network. Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question. Should pastors and churches place expectations and obligations on the congregation? Your average non-Catholic evangelical would say no, maybe even no way. It might be said, we do not need written order, discipline, or expectations. Those should derive from personal desire and from the Holy Spirit, not from a church. Or, each Christian's conscience should be sufficient for correction and discipline. Or, the Holy Spirit will personally lead each believer as to what church or to attend and certainly how often they should go. So here's your three best friends of tools for Catholic evangelism. Natural law says human society cannot be well-ordered nor prosperous unless it has legitimate authority to preserve its own institution, the Bible. Secondly, the Bible, which says in multiple places such as Hebrews 13, 17, obey them that have the rule over you. And thirdly, the Catholic Church says when we are properly ordered, we will be capable of resisting conformity to the contemporary demands of unhealthy individualism. So obligations, much obliged. Hey, Donnie, what does the catechism say that the purpose of life is? No love and serve God to be happy in the next. That's right. So we can be happy with Him in the next life. As parents, we're the primary educators of our Catholic faith to our children. And if you don't know your Catholic faith as well as you should, that's okay. Just tune in daily to the Guadalupe Radio Network by logging online to grnonline.com. The Guadalupe Radio Network. Listen, learn, love, and pass it on. Welcome to another round of fear and trembling. <laughs> the Catholic trivia game show that helps you work out your salvation by the seat of your pants. It's a 50-50 chance and prizes are involved. Avoid the weeping and gnashing of teeth. Call now to take your shot. 877-757-9424. That number to call, 877-757-9424. That, that was kind of weird, the music. That, okay, well, not sure uh, what happened uh, there with the music, but uh, nonetheless, you're listening to uh, the Fear and Trembling Game Show, where you can win prizes, because we give out the prizes. Tomorrow is actually the day when we give out the prize, so make sure you're tuned in for tomorrow. Uh, the number to call is 877-757-9424, 877-757-9424. You're listening to the Fear and Trembling Game Show, where you win prizes. And you're maybe asking, how on earth do I win prizes? Well, it's very simple. The way you can win a prize is by calling in and being the first caller. The way it works is we have three Catholic trivia questions. 
we don't ask you the question. No, instead, we ask Tito the question, and Tito gives an answer. It's your job to give uh, whether to to discern whether or not he's trying to trick you, whether he's right or whether he is wrong. You have 15 seconds on the clock to give us an answer, and every right answer goes into the coffee cup of divine providence to win this week's prize. Tito, what could they win? They could win uh, the prize for this week for the Fear and Trembling Game Show is the CDT prize pack with a book titled Bishop Sheen Today. Written by Fulton Sheen, it is an anthology on the seven last words of Christ and the medit- and meditations on the Holy Hour. This book was compiled and published by Alan Smith. Again, the book is called Bishop Sheen Today so as part of our prize package. The, the book isn't Bishop Sheen Today. The organization is Bishop Sheen Today. Um, the books are The Seven Last Words of Christ on the Cross, and the other book is a Meditation uh, for a Holy ah. Hour. Uh, so those are the two books published by Bishop Sheen Today, Alan Smith with Bishop Sheen Today. So that's the prize. We're giving away a coffee cup of divine providence, a replica of the coffee cup of divine providence, and two books by Bishop Sheen Today. So thank you very much, Bishop Sheen Today, for your generous donation. Um, we are very grateful to you. We're always grateful. Thank you, Alan Smith. Alan's great. Uh, but joining us right now is Keith. Good morning to you, Keith. Good morning. Keith, where are you calling from? Uh, I'm from Arlington, Texas. Arlington, Texas. Praise be to God. And where are you off to this morning? Uh, work up in Dallas. Work up in Dallas. Uh, Got to travel through the cities. Uh, that's life in the living outside the big cities, right? You gotta, everyone drives into the city to work and then back out of the city for home. That's right. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I know it is. I know it is. Uh, Mr. Keith, how was your Easter? And how is your Easter season going? Uh, Easter was good. Easter season's going well, too. Praise be to God. Praise be to God. And what parish do you call home? St. Vincent de Paul Parish in Arlington. St. Vincent de Paul in Arlington. Praise be to God. I need to uh, get out to Dallas more. I've only been to Dallas a number of times, a handful of times. So I need to get out there and and see some of those other parishes. Uh, But, Keith, are you familiar with how the game works? Yes, I am. Yes, you are. Praise be to God. Then you know that Tito can be tricky, and you got to keep your ears wide open. Me? What do you mean? What? <laughs> what? I have no idea what you mean, Keith. I am the most straight shooter. Never once have tried to trick a single person in my entire life. I'm a saint. I'm trying to polish my halo as we speak, actually. And an expert in all things. So true. So true. I, at least I identify as an expert in all things. All righty, Keith. Are you ready to play the game? I am. Then let's do it. Let's start with question number one. Uh, Tito, are you ready? Yes, I am. Then let's do it. The question on the board. What city is at the center of the Muslim religion? Muslim? Yep. Oh, uh, Medina. Medina? Yeah, they, they do the pilgrimage there. Oh, wow. Yeah. Is that Medina in Spain? No, uh, I think it's named after Medina oh. uh, in Arabia, but uh, yeah, that's they, they start the pilgrimage there. Oh, wow. Yeah, so I'm not sure what it's called, but yeah, that's as much as I know. So not Medina, Ohio? No, 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 not Medina, Ohio, but oh, okay. we, we do like our listeners there. Okay, okay. Uh, not Medina, Washington? No, not Medina, Washington. Okay. Or Texas, for that matter. Okay, not Medina, Texas, okay. Yep. We're talking Medina and like Saudi Arabia. Yeah, the oh. peninsula. Oh. 
okay. I'm following Yeah, you. lots I'm of camels, you. lots of uh, cacti, etc. Uh, okay. Cacti, okay. Well, there you go. Is there cactus in, in Saudi Arabia? Uh, question for you, Keith. Not, not the question isn't about cactus. But the question is, what city is at the center of the Muslim religion? 15 seconds on the clock. Tito seems to think that it's Medina in Saudi Arabia. Not Medina, Ohio. Not Medina, Texas. Not Medina, Washington. Nor Medina, Spain. But instead, Medina and Saudi Arabia. 15 seconds on the clock. Keith, what say you? We'll go with false here. I believe it's Mecca. All right. He's going with false. Way to go, Keith. Could not be tricked. Refused to fall for the trap. You nailed it. Uh, praise be to God. You uh, got the answer correct. You just, you were like, yeah, easy peasy. I don't even need to guess. I know it's Mecca. And that is correct. It is, in fact, Mecca. Uh, so praise be to God. Are you like an expert on uh, Mohammedism or something? Uh, no, I would not claim that. Okay, okay. I will not claim that. It's okay. I'll claim it for you. I'm currently identifying Keith as an expert in Mohammedism uh, for him on his behalf. Uh, you're welcome, Keith. All right, Keith, are you ready for question number two? I uh, am. Yeah. Then let's do it. Let's do it. I, I have a feeling that Keith is going to get a uh, three for three. Uh, Tito, question is to you. Okay. What are the two types of grace? Wow, that's... Difficult. That is a difficult question I have to ha say. Uh, I'd like to go to the Mohammedanist. No, I'm kidding. Um, uh, sanctifying and actual. That one I know. Sanctifying grace and actual grace. Those are the two types of grace. Okay. Okay. Well, there you go, folks. Sanctifying and actual. You're saying this comes from Mohammedan theologians. Uh, we'd have to ask the Mohammedanist expert on that. Okay. So uh, okay. I think he's next. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> All righty, Keith. The question on the board is, what are the two types of grace? Now, 15 seconds on the clock. Tito seems to think that it's sanctifying and actual. What say you, Keith? Does that make sense to you? Sanctifying an actual, or is he trying to trick you? Uh, 15 seconds o'clock. What say you, Keith? I recognized one of them, so I'll go with true. He said he's going to go with true. Okay. And you are right. Praise be to God. That is, in fact, correct. Uh, there is sanctifying grace, and uh, that is what we get when we are baptized. And every time we go to confession, we are given sanctifying grace. And then there's actual grace, all the other actions that we do in our lives. And that would be actual grace, the, the grace that God gives us in any particular moment. And, and all the graces we get and different things. So all those things are actual grace. But you nailed it, Keith. Praise be to God. You see, I've told you, I'm, I have a feeling you're going to get a three for three. What do you think, Keith? Uh, we're hopeful. We're hopeful. We're hopeful. That spirit of hope. Uh, we're going to pray for some actual grace so that you get uh, the third one right. And at the bare minimum, there's a 50-50 chance of you getting a three for now. All right, are you ready for question number three, Keith? Ready. Let's do it. Ready, Freddy. Uh, or sorry, ready, Keith. The question on the board is how many sacraments may a man receive? Did, it didn't say trans man or, or woman, right? No, it, no, it says just a man. man. Yeah. A, man. a man. It specifically said man. Yeah, how many sacraments? Oh, well, that, man that makes a bit of a difference, it I does. believe. Yeah, seven. Whoa, 
And and that's Swahili for Whoa. for seven. Whoa, really? Seven yeah. is Swahili for seven. Yeah. Wow. I'm reading the same books you are now. Interesting. That's dangerous. <laughs> okay, seven. You're saying seven. You're saying, uh, let's see. You're saying they can be baptized, confirmed. Firm. You can receive Holy Communion. They can get ordained. They can get married. They can get anointing of the sick. And, and they can go to confession. That's right, wow. sir. Okay. Okay. That's what you're saying. All right, Keith. 15 seconds on the clock. Tito's question was, how many sacraments may a man receive? Tito seems to think that it's seven. 15 seconds on the clock, Keith. What say you? Is he right? Is he wrong? Is he trying to trick you? What say you, Keith, from Arlington, Texas? We'll go with true. Gonna go English with true. for true. Oh, wow. There you go. Praise be to God, Keith. You are correct. And, you know, I learned something new today, too. I didn't know true was English for true. I thought for sure that it was German. Uh, but I learned something new today. So thank you very much, Keith. I appreciate that. Well, how do you feel, Keith? You got three for three. I am I'm very blown away. I was like, oh, man, I thought for sure that uh, the seven was going to throw someone off. They're going to be like, no, you can't get it. But, yes, in fact, a priest could technically be married. In fact, we have a few married priests in the in the Catholic Church. And in the Eastern Church, there's tons or of them. Or a deacon. Yeah, totally. A deacon. Well, 100%, Keith. All right, Keith, God bless you. God love you. Have a blessed rest of your Easter. And uh, make sure you stay on hold because we want to make sure we get your contact information should we draw your name out tomorrow. Uh, but God bless you. God love you, Keith. Thank you. Have a good day. You as well. You as well. I'm going to put you on hold. Uh, make sure that you stay with us so that way uh, Tito can get your contact information. But that's going to do it for our show today, at least on the radio side. If you want to join us for the after show where we interact with you directly, we had a ton of great comments. Some of the comments about Garib and Dahl, some of the comments about the attacks on cities. It'll be a very interesting after show, I'm thinking. So hop on YouTube, Rumble, Odyssey, Facebook. And we'll interact with you directly. And make sure you subscribe. We're almost at uh, 10,000 subscribers on YouTube. That would be a really cool number to hit. But God bless you. God love you. If you're not going to join us on the after show, then we'll see you back tomorrow morning, 6 a.m. Central, 7 Eastern, across the Guadalupe Radio Network. God bless you. God love you. And remember, Christ is risen. Truly, he is risen. Alleluia. Alleluia. Say that today. Stick your head out the window. Christ is risen. Alleluia. Praise be to God. See you later. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. The Guadalupe Radio Network now brings you the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass from the chapel at Our Lady of Corpus Christi in Corpus Christi, Texas. The Lord is risen today. Ha ha ha, 
Sons of men and angels say, Alleluia. Raise your joys and triumphs high, Alleluia. Sing ye heavens and earth reply, Alleluia. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, the Lord be with you. My brothers and sisters, let us acknowledge our sins and so prepare ourselves to celebrate the sacred mysteries. I confess to Almighty God and to you, my brothers and sisters, that I have greatly sinned in my thoughts and in my words, in what I have done and what I have failed to do, through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault. Therefore, I ask, Blessed Mary, ever-Virgin, all the angels and saints, and you, my brothers and sisters, to pray for me to the Lord our God. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Let us pray. O God, who is salvation of the world, brought about the paschal sacrifice, be favorable to the supplications of your people, that Christ, our high priest, interceding in our behalf, may by his likeness to ourselves bring us reconciliation and by his equality with you free us from our sins. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. Amen. Reading from the Acts of the Apostles. When the court officers had brought the apostles in and made them stand before the Sanhedrin, the high priest questioned them. We gave you strict orders, did we not, to stop teaching in that name? Yet you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching and want to bring this man's blood upon us. But Peter and the apostles said in reply, We must obey God rather than men. The God of our ancestors raised Jesus, though you had him killed by hanging him on a tree. God exalted him at his right hand as leader and savior, to grant Israel repentance and forgiveness of sins. We are witnesses of these things, as is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. When they heard this, they became infuriated and wanted to put them to death. The word of the Lord. The Lord hears the cry of the poor. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall be ever in my mouth. Taste and see how good the Lord is. Blessed the man who takes refuge in him. The Lord confronts the evildoers to destroy remembrance of them from the earth. When the just cry out, the Lord hears them, and from all their distress he rescues them. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted, and those who are crushed in spirit he saves. 
Many are the troubles of the just man, but out of them all the Lord delivers him. Alleluia, Alleluia, Alleluia. Alleluia, Alleluia, Alleluia. You believe in me, Thomas, because you have seen me, says the Lord. Blessed are those who have not seen but still believe. Alleluia, Alleluia, Alleluia. The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. Glory to you, Lord. The one who comes from above is above all. The one who is of the earth is earthly and speaks of earthly things. But the one who comes from heaven is above all. He testifies what he has seen and heard, but no one accepts his testimony. Whoever does accept his testimony certifies that God is trustworthy. For the one whom God sent speaks the words of God. He does not ration his gift of the Spirit. The Father loves the Son and has given everything over to him. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life, but whoever disobeys the Son will not see life, but the wrath of God remains upon him. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. The Gospel continues this dialogue that Jesus has with Nicodemus, and he's bringing him one from understanding that uh, there's, we must be born or reborn from above. Nicodemus doesn't quite understand this. He thinks he's thinking in physical terms. Well, how is an old man supposed to go back in his mother's womb? So he has to kind of unfold and explain that he, Jesus is the one who has come from above, who has come from the Father. He does the work of the Father, and he's going to return to the Father and will give us this uh, rebirth in him. And that's why with Jesus, when he begins the, the gospel today, he says, the one who comes from above is above all, the one who is of the earth is earthly. So the one who comes from heaven is above all, and this, there's a distinction between what is earthly and what is heavenly. How this kind of applies to us in this kind of an interesting way, that um, we, because of our, our physical nature and the material world in which God has created and in which we live, we tend to put things above everything else. And so the problem with material things is that it, ha it, cannot, it has to be divided and somebody has to own it. You know, this is mine and not yours. Or this belongs to you and not me. Or this is my body and not yours, so on and so forth. So, but when we come to spiritual things, this is the beauty, this is why they are of a higher order. Things like grace or the gifts that God gives is that when God gives, as Jesus says, he, he does not ration his gift of the Spirit, but he gives generously, is that we can all receive the same amount, let's say, of grace or the, that is available. All of us can receive that same amount because God gives and he gives generously. He's not like, oh, you have only a little bit I'm going to give to you, and, well, I only have now 92% left, so only you can get that, a little bit of that. 
You know, grace is not divided by percentages. It is whole and entire. Whereas the things of this world, they have to kind of be divided up and shared that way. So think about when the, when the early Christians, when they said that they had one, of, one faith and one heart and one mind and that they shared everything in common. Of course, material things were, they had to be divided up for this belongs to this or this person needs that. But when it came to the spiritual things, we all can be filled with the utter fullness of God. He does not ration only a little bit for this and, oh, you'll get that. No, it doesn't work that way. And the other part is that somebody's gift is by gift too, in the spirit. So if you have, for instance, the gift of hospitality, well, I get to receive on the receiving end, I get the beauty of, re of also having that gift because you've given it. <laughs> Those gifts that are given for others. So when Jesus says in the gospel that what is earthly uh, speaks of earthly things, and what is heavenly, the one who comes from heaven, is above all. Those spiritual realities in our life of grace, of the gifts of the Spirit that God has given to us, those are the higher things. So when St. Paul continuously says in this Easter season, set your minds on things above, not on things below. That's the beauty of this new life that Jesus has given to us. It sets our hearts and minds on those spiritual realities which are much higher than the material and the physical realities around us. That's where we have to set our minds and hearts in these, in these holy days of Easter. The second thing we should probably mention is that in the Acts of the Apostles, we continue, um, we see again this gift of the Spirit that has not been rationed, but has been given generously to the Apostles because they go out with this boldness and great courage. How many of us would like to say, and probably do, but in the wrong context, we must obey God rather than men. I don't have to obey you. How many people just don't obey the church because that's a bunch of men and it's a human organization? Uh, I'm, gonna go, I'm going to obey God. When you think about it, it's not that easy to obey God. Look at the Old Testament and even the New. When people like Abraham had to obey God, he had to leave his land and go off and nearly sacrifice his son. How many of us would be willing to do that? How about Moses? Who basically, Lord, you're sending the wrong person. I'm not, the, I'm not, the, not a good speaker. And he says, go, you speak to my people and lead them out of, out, of, out of Egypt into Israel. When God asks us for something, it usually, usually is going to be difficult. And it's going to, how you say, it's going to get us out of ourselves to rely so much more on God. And it requires so much trust and courage. It is not so easy to obey God rather than to obey men. That's why God gives us this really great gift called obedience. Obedience, of course, in the church. That, yes, we obey uh, human persons, but we're really obeying God through this person whom God, has, whom God has appointed over us. And in this way, we really see, imitate Jesus, who humbled himself, become one like us, who was obedient even to accepting death, death on a cross, and gives us the courage to truly say in the depths of our heart and to live most beautifully, we must obey God rather than men. Brothers and sisters, let us ask for this increase in the spirit of God living within us. Again, he does not ration the spirit, but gives generously. May we live by this spirit, this new life that Jesus has given us.
Dear brothers and sisters, filled with paschal joy, let us more, pray more earnestly to God that he who graciously listened to the prayers and supplications of his beloved Son may now be pleased to look upon us in our lowliness. Let us pray for all the shepherds of our souls and of the church, those who govern us, that they may have the strength to govern wisely the flock entrusted to them by Christ the Good Shepherd. Let us pray to the Lord. Christ gives us his peace in, his, in the resurrection. May the whole world truly know that peace given by Christ. Let us pray to the Lord. Mindful of our brothers and sisters who suffer, we pray that their sorrow may be turned to gladness which no one can take from them. Let us pray to the Lord. We pray for ourselves and our own community that it may bear witness with great confidence to the resurrection of Christ. Let us pray to the Lord. The intentions of those here present, of those who are joining us online and through Guadalupe Radio, for all those who are in need, for all their family and friends, and those who have asked us to pray for them, let us pray to the Lord. Finally, we pray for those who have died and for all the holy souls in purgatory, that they may rest in peace. Let us pray to the Lord. O God, who know that our life in this present age is subject to suffering and need, hear the desires of those who cry to you and receive the prayers of those who believe in you through Christ our Lord. Amen. Blessed are you, Lord God of all creation, for through your goodness we have received the bread we offer you, fruit of the earth and work of human hands, it will become for us the bread of life. Blessed be God. Blessed are you, Lord God of all creation, for through your goodness we have received the wine we offer you, fruit of the vine and work of human hands will become our spiritual drink. Blessed be God. Pray, brothers and sisters, that my sacrifice and yours may be acceptable to God, the Almighty Father. May our prayers rise up to you, O Lord, together with the sacrificial offerings, so that, purified by your graciousness, we may be conformed to the mysteries of your mighty love through Christ our Lord. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is truly right and just our duty and our salvation at all times to acclaim you, O Lord. 
But in this time above all to laud you yet more gloriously, when Christ our Passover has been sacrificed. Through him the children of light rise to eternal life, and the halls of the heavenly kingdom are thrown open to the faithful. For his death is our ransom from death, and in his rising the life of all has risen. Therefore overcome with paschal joy, every land, every people exalts in your praise. And even the heavenly powers with the angelic hosts sing together the unending hymn of your glory as they acclaim. Holy, holy, holy Lord God of hosts, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. You are indeed holy, O Lord, and all you have created rightly gives you praise. For through your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, by the power and working of the Holy Spirit, you give life to all things and make them holy. And you never cease to gather a people to yourself, so that from the rising of the sun to its setting, a pure sacrifice may be offered to your name. Therefore, O Lord, we humbly implore you by the same Spirit, graciously make holy these gifts we have brought to you for consecration, that they may become the body and blood of your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, at whose command we celebrate these mysteries. For on the night he was betrayed, he himself took bread, and giving you thanks, he said the blessing, broke the bread, and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and eat of it, for this is my body, which will be given up for you. In a similar way, when supper was ended, he took the chalice, and giving you thanks, he said the blessing, and gave the chalice to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and drink from it, for this is the chalice of my blood, the blood of the new and eternal covenant, which will be poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in memory of me. The mystery of faith, we proclaim your death, O Lord, and profess your resurrection until you come again. Therefore, O Lord, as we celebrate the memorial of the saving passion of your Son, his wondrous resurrection and ascension into heaven, and as we look forward to his second coming, we offer you in thanksgiving this holy and living sacrifice. 
Look, we pray upon the oblation of your church and recognizing the sacrificial victim by whose death you will to reconcile us to yourself. Grant that we who are nourished by the body and blood of your Son and filled with his Holy Spirit may become one body, one spirit in Christ. May he make of us an eternal offering to you so that we may obtain an inheritance with your elect, especially with the most blessed Virgin Mary, Mother of God, with blessed Joseph, her spouse, with your blessed apostles and glorious martyrs, and with all the saints on whose constant intercession in your presence we rely for unfailing help. May this sacrifice of our reconciliation, we pray, O Lord, advance the peace and salvation of all the world. Be pleased to confirm in faith and charity your pilgrim church on earth, with your servant Francis, our Pope, and Michael, our Bishop, the order of bishops, all the clergy, and the entire people you have gained for your own. Listen graciously to the prayers of this family, whom you have summoned before you. In your compassion, O merciful Father, gather to yourself all your children scattered throughout the world. To our departed brothers and sisters, and to all who were pleasing to you at their passing from this life, give kind admittance to your kingdom. There we hope to enjoy forever the fullness of your glory through Christ our Lord, through whom you bestow in the world all that is good. Through him and with him and in him, O God, Almighty Father, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all glory and honor is yours forever and ever. Amen. At the Savior's command and formed by divine teaching, we dare to say, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Deliver us, Lord, we pray, from every evil. Graciously grant peace in our days, that by the help of your mercy we may be always free from sin and safe from all distress as we await the blessed hope and the coming of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Lord Jesus Christ, who said to your apostles, Peace I leave you, my peace I give you. Look not on our sins, but on the faith of your church, and graciously grant her peace and unity in accordance with your will, who live and reign forever and ever. The peace of the Lord be with you always. Let us offer to the sign of peace. Lamb of God, you take away the sins of the world. Have mercy on us. Lamb of God, you take away the sins of the world. Have mercy on us. Lamb of God, you take away the sins of the world. Grant us peace. Behold the Lamb of God. Behold him who takes away the sins of the world. Blessed are those called to the supper of the Lamb. Lord, I am not worthy. You should enter under my roof. 
only say the word and my soul shall be healed. those who are unable to receive our Lord sacramentally in Holy Communion, we invite you to pray the act of spiritual communion with us. My Jesus, I believe that you are present in the most holy sacrament. I love you above all things, and I desire to receive you into my soul. Since I cannot at this moment receive you sacramentally, come at least spiritually into my heart. I embrace you as if you were already there, and unite myself wholly to you. Ever permit me to be separated from you. Amen. speak the word of comfort, my spirit healed shall be. Let us pray. Almighty, ever-living God, who restore us to eternal life in the resurrection of Christ, increase in us, we pray, the fruits of this Paschal Sacrament, and pour into our hearts the strength of this saving food through Christ our Lord. The Lord be with you. May Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Go and announce the gospel of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Jesus Christ is risen today. Alleluia. 
our triumphant holy day. Hallelujah. Who did once upon the cross? Alleluia, suffer to redeem our loss. Alleluia. The Prayer to St. Michael St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. Prayer of Deliverance Almighty God and Father, we beg Thee through the intercession and help of the Archangels St. Michael, Raphael, and Gabriel for the deliverance of our brothers and sisters who are enslaved by the evil one from anxiety, sadness, and obsessions. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From hatred, fornication, and envy. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From thoughts of jealousy, rage, and death. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every thought of suicide and abortion. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every form of sinful sexuality. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every division in our family and every harmful friendship. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every sort of spell, malefice, witchcraft, and every form of the occult. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. Thou who said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, grant that through the intercession of the Virgin Mary. I'm Alejandra with Special Youth Services.